Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal. Boys and girls, Ty Hildebrand here. Dan Rubenstein right on over there. SolidVerbal at gmail.com. Still the email address. 408Verbal1. 408-837-2251. That, of course, is the reverb line. We're going to play those Week 12 reverbs here momentarily. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook, on FanCred, on Twitter. We're on iTunes. If you want to head on out there, give us a star ranking and or a review. Five. Yes, Five. everything is helpful, Dan. Every little bit Five helps. Five stars. In the world of podcasting. How are you? I'm good, Ty. Yeah, Sunday's a tiring day for me. Wow, poor me. But I've got my green tea. I've got my notes in front of me. I have a day's worth of experiences leading up to the Arizona State game, which I did not watch because it was on today. It felt like as we were recording this on a Sunday, I, I DVR'd it and fast forwarded through a lot of it. Um, I'm pretty good, Ty. How about yourself? You had a, a wedding meeting today. I had a wedding meeting today. Yeah, before the podcast. Still on. Wedding is still on. Wedding, as of, yes, we're recording this. You two this. crazy kids are going to make it work. As of like 5.15 p.m. Eastern, Love November it. 16th, we are still a go. Love it. She can do way better than you, by the way. Oh, definitely. Yeah, just making sure. Was, was there ever any doubt? No, absolutely not. All right, so uh, week 12, again, we're going to play those reverbs here momentarily, but I just, I want to get your mm. instant feedback on week 12, Dan. What, what yeah. did you learn from week 12 i learned that i had a hell of a taco draft for dinner we got a bunch of tacos and we had a draft i'd never been part of a taco draft okay okay now taco draft yeah yeah we got a bunch of different kinds of tacos and there were four of us and we laid out all the different varieties of tacos we had a lottery and then we had a draft sada went number one two and three wow yeah okay what did i learn from yesterday I learned that Florida State has a formula, and unless you play perfectly, they are going to use that formula and come back after playing shoddily in the first half and be somewhat near perfect and force turnovers and make your life miserable in the second, and they are going to eventually either win or lose. How's that for analysis? Wow. Uh, You're going out on a limb there, Dan. Woo! Um, Mississippi State, not as good as we probably hoped they would be. But uh, that's sort of in part to the SEC West peaking early October, late September. The PR driven SEC West did a fantastic job of assuring America that their teams were, in fact, all fantastic. When, in fact, Auburn, not so much. LSU, not so much. Mississippi State, mm, not so much. Um, So I guess it's sort of an end to that storyline. Arizona State fell into their what now appears to be a, a Todd Graham November slide. They are not good in second halves. We'll get more into that later. Kansas feisty Kansas. Yeah. Like seeing that um, beyond that Ohio state, Minnesota in the snow was fun. And honestly, this is all just foreplay into Melgore. That's right. Melgore definitely was activated. Melgore. Yeah. Activated. 408 yards for the mighty Melgore. We will get into that. Yeah, I think I think I just I learned the true identity of a lot of teams. You know, you kind of had more words around it and and why you came to a similar spot. But Hmm. Mississippi State, Auburn, Nebraska, ASU, even Notre Dame 
We learned the true identities of these was that teams the team, this weekend. Was that the team that lost to the, the football program, also known for its academics in the Midwest? Notre Dame was the team that lost to that team. That That is correct, yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I don't really have much to add beyond that. Um, <laughs> but we're going to add more. Anyway. Yeah, we're going to add more a little later. Don't worry. Yeah. I think we're also learning that nobody is truly great. Florida State's a really good team. Alabama's a really good team. Oregon's really good. TCU's really good. There are a lot of really good teams. Baylor is. Baylor's really good, sure. Although <laughs> Baylor fans are one peg below FSU fans. I'll get They're into my that favorite. Too. They are my favorite too. I, I would say there's there are a few pegs below. Baylor, Twitter, and Baylor fans. They're so new to being in discussions in November. Okay, I could go with that. But it's like, hey guys, no, 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 no. We're I okay, we didn't play anybody. I yeah, that is true. But 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 there, yeah, you're you're right. They mean better than Florida State fans do. There are many pegs between but Baylor but, Twitter and deciding to call Clay Travis gay. Yes. Like FSU Twitter. Sure. So okay. Um, but my point is that a lot of really good teams, but I feel like they all have flaws. They all have flaws. I feel like all the teams at the top are beatable. Whereas last year with Florida State, I felt they were just indomitable. This year, I don't know if I feel that way. However, you're right. You do need to play a perfect game to beat them because they are pretty yes. good in the second half. Um, okay, we've got some breaking news. Guess who won't be coaching the Florida Gators next year, Dan? Uh, Steve Spurrier, I feel like, will not be coaching the Florida Gators. Nick Saban will not be coaching the Florida Gators. Uh, Ron Zook will not be coaching the Florida Ron Gators. Ron Zook will not be coaching the Florida Gators, which gives them something in common now with Mr. Bill Muschamp. Will Muschamp, he will be yes. out at the end of the season. The announcement came down today. Well, Muschamp stepping aside, saying he didn't win enough games. That mm -hmm. would be accurate analysis. Yes. Um, this now spawns a whole discussion about who will be next for the University of Florida. I've seen many a blog posting, many an article already out there on the Google sphere talking about uh, who might be next at Florida. Do you have a hot take on this, Dan? A hot read, an initial gut reaction to who's coming next at Florida. Da Cojo. <laughs> what was that? What'd you say? Da Cojo, come to Florida. Florida swamp da Cojo. <laughs> um, I think Rich Rodriguez, there's an entire possibility there. I don't think there are a number of schools that could lure him, but Florida is one of those schools that has the recruiting advantages, the money, even though Arizona has put a lot of money and they have worked out weird secret oil deals for Rich Rodriguez. Uh, I think there is... There has to be. There is a certain ego that comes with coaching at this level where you want to win and beat the best teams at the highest possible levels. I think it's more difficult now that he's in a conference that's more winnable than the SEC and that he's in a place where there's a high quality of life. Uh, it's at least higher, I would say, than there is in Morgantown and Ann Arbor. That's just my personal opinion. Um, but I, I think there is a draw for Richrod. I think... Dan Mullen would probably listen. I don't know if that, I think it seems lose, lose for Florida to go after Mullen. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just because he will be weighed against what he did as the offensive coordinator there. If he, if he fails, if he succeeds, it's, Oh, you know, it's just the Florida thing and it's not him really here. Here's the thing. Yeah. I don't know who the name is. I don't know who the coach is going to be. Coach can, all. 
I can guarantee you it's not going to be like another Will Muschamp. Not yeah, the not going to be thing. an of another up and coming coordinator. So right. like Chad Morris is a name that's been sure, kicked Narduzzi, around the last couple of years. Yeah. Pat Narduzzi, sure. Those are good coaches. They could be great in charge yeah. of a program. Don't think they're going to be. Don't think they're going to be the selection at Florida. I think they're looking for more of a proven commodity. You hear Bob Stoops, you hear Mike Gundy, you hear all these names out there. I'm sure we'll hear more as the days and weeks go by. But at long last, the nightmare in Gainesville is over. Will Muschamp will no longer be the head football coach for the Florida Gators in 2015. The other news story, and then we'll get into your reverbs and into our week 12 recap. Todd Gurley returns from his suspension and promptly tears his left ACL. Now, he had a nice yeah. game before doing so, but yeah. uh, Gurley's a junior. There was some chatter out there. I saw you tweeting a little bit about, well, should he have come back? Should he not have come back? Um, a bad break for Todd Gurley. And yes. there, there's no other way to shake it. It sucks to be a college football fan and be without one of the, if not the most dynamic players in the game. He was just Mm -hmm. fun to watch. And it's sad to see his season, maybe his college career end like this. Certainly sad. It sucks. It sucks to be Todd Gurley as well. I'm sure uh, coming off of a torn ACL and having to go through the sort of laugh riot. That is the NCAA and their view on players making money off of their own images. Another show for another time, but Todd Gurley's the entirety of Todd Gurley's 2014 experience on and off the field isn't nearly what it should have been given his talents and potential or potential. Excuse me. I would agree with that. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's play those week 12 reverbs again. It's 408 verbal one 408 837 2251. People called in during all of week 12. Here's what they had to say. Dear Tommy Reese. from Birmingham, Dominic from Austin, Texas, Marshall from San Diego, Jordan in Doha, Qatar. Hi, this is Sharon from D.C. reporting live for the second time this year. First from Penn State, now from South Bend, Chapter 2-0. and Who knew playing for overtime sometimes works out? Go Cats! The good news is a close loss is just like a win, right? That's what everyone keeps saying for Notre Dame. I don't know what's worse, the fact that we lost Northwestern or the fact that I have to listen to Darren Ravel tweet about it for the rest of eternity. Dan, if there's ever been a week you want to make fun of Notre Dame, we deserve it. Hey, Ty, you have soft hands. Maybe you could be Notre Dame's holder. Just want to give a shout-out to Dan and tell him he don't have to be the worst this week. Because we won. Just wanted to thank Dan, the surest thing in college football picking, for ensuring FSU's victory by taking Miami. Go Knowles. America's college football nightmare continues. And the street lives on. Go Knowles. Jameis Winston continues to be the ultimate Sour Patch Kid. Sour at first, then he gets sweet. I just want to know, as an LSU alumni, what the hell am I watching right now? Arkansas finally gets an SEC victory by beating LSU and getting a 175-pound golden boot trophy. 
I'm an LSU alumni. Is it acceptable to burn my diploma right now? 2014 Arkansas is maybe the best losing team in the history of football. Can you guys go ahead and just proclaim that as the Tire Fire of the Year award, please? You know, before the Bama game started, I kept thinking, you know, there's going to be a lot of disappointed Mississippi State Bulldog fans today. Sure enough, I was right. Mississippi State has walked into Tuscaloosa and looked like the worst team in the SEC West. Y'all make fun of Bo Wallace all the time. Can we not add bad Dak, good Dak? Russell Hansborough putting sugar in the swag copter's tank. So, Mizzou beating A&M means the back door's still open to Atlanta for the Tigers. M-I-Z. My ideal scenario at this point involves Muschamp beating FSU, then ascending to heaven in a fiery chariot driven by Tim Tebow, never to be seen again. This is what Will Muschamp just did. I'm pretty sure that Sean Mang is Cliff Kingsbury's older brother. Rakeem Cato. I need Condi and friends to wake up and let's see what Marshall can do on the national stage, guys. Hey, this is Scott in New York City. I've just watched the longest running tragic comedy on Broadway, Columbia Football. 20 consecutive losses. Go New York's oldest one true team. Mel Gore. Melvin Gordon, seriously? There you have it, Daniel. Yeah. Week 12 reverbs. Always lively. <laughs> a, lot of no, a lot of Notre Dame calls in there, as you might expect. Yeah. I would of, expect such a lot of Melgor calls in there, as you oh. might expect. Where, where would you like to begin, Ty? Let's start with the number one team in the country, or the previous number one team in the country. Let's start in the SEC. Yeah. Alabama, 25. Mississippi State, 20, Daniel, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Nice little backdoor cover here for Mississippi you, State. You were paying attention that late. I had totally forgotten about the spread, which closed at around eight and a half, nine and a half. Yeah, eight and somewhere a half, nine and a half, ten, somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. And then uh, Mississippi State was down, what, like 12? Yeah. It was 25-13. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, what if we just made things a little bit interesting? And they, they came back and covered <laughs> 25 to 20 was your final. I, I was really yes. impressed with the Bama defense here. Mm-hmm. Two things in particular. They forced three interceptions from Dak Prescott. Yes. Deep into territory as well. They effectively end his Heisman dream. Yeah. Still a good player, but three picks in this game, I think takes him out of the running. They also held Josh Robinson to just 37 rushing yards. And this is a key because if they were able to put this game entirely on the arm of Dak Prescott. Yeah. I'm not sure that's the kind of thing anyone was too confident about the fact that they held down Josh Robinson the way they did uh, to me was impressive to me. It told me everything I need to know about where this Bama defense is at. It's a really good defense. The efficiency metrics love it. 
right now they are clearly in the driver's seat in the SEC West. Yes. No, it, it, it was a fantastic performance from the Alabama defense, especially having to deal these past couple of weeks with an Alabama offense that certainly isn't playing to its ceiling. Uh, the LSU game, not the greatest time for Alabama's offense. This game was fine. They they scored, I think it was only a couple of touchdowns through three quarters. So Alabama's defense going up against a Mississippi State offense that had been productive, had been very, very good with Prescott and Robinson, getting those interceptions deep, getting Sean Robinson and that defensive line active and stopping Robinson and stopping Prescott, who I think carried the ball more than Robinson did uh, consistently. It was it was a masterful performance from Alabama's defense who did just about everything needed in the open field, especially we knew Mississippi State's defense hadn't been the greatest. The red zone defense coming in was, I think, the best in the country and Alabama, to their credit, made plays when it needed to happen, even though Blake Sims numbers don't sort of jump off the page when it's third and six and he's running for eight and getting just past the yardage marker. That's enormous. That is backbreaking. And Blake Sims, while not on the level of certain quarterbacks nationally. He has certainly been in his first year with the pressure that comes with being Alabama's quarterback has done a, a really, really good job of yeah. pacing this team. Yeah, no, he, he looked good yesterday. He used the legs when he had to mm-hmm. um, Alabama against Florida state right now, Dan. Yeah. Neutral field. Who do you got? Yeah. Uh, I probably have Alabama because I feel like they play defense better than Florida state does anything. And I give them at this point, the coaching advantage coordinator wise on defense against Alabama's offense, certainly not crazy about Alabama's offense and how inconsistent they've been, but Florida state's defense, you can give the ball to Yeldon and Henry and they can fall forward for four and a half a carry it's against both of these teams. It's a mistake thing. It's who can limit their own mistakes, who can take advantage. And I saw some stat going in and we're going to talk about the Florida state game. I imagine sooner rather than later, um, that some overwhelming percentage of the points scored against Florida state came off of turnovers, yeah. which is both impressive that Florida state doesn't allow a lot of very straightforward drives to go into for six or three, but also at the same time, I was like, this team just shoots itself in the foot. And that is not to the standard of a team that you think can win the championship cleanly. So I like Alabama more because of it, but I there's, there's no real confidence in any one team being much better than any other team. Blake Sims on the year now, 18 touchdowns to just three interceptions. He's been very good. 61% of his passes also has rushed for 5.1 yards per carry, 280 yards and five touchdowns on the year. He's been really, really good for that offense. Alabama, as I mentioned, they are in the driver's seat in the SEC West. They've got a game against, I don't know, Western Carolina, some Carolina. And then they close out the year. The Iron Bowl, the Auburn Tigers, Dan. Did you see that Auburn played yesterday or at least was scheduled to play? (laughs) I did see. I did see that they um, were involved in a, is it a football match? I believe it would be this. Okay. Auburn forgot to get off the plane apparently because wow. 34 to seven Georgia runs one up on the Auburn Tigers. You might remember uh, Auburn. Again, it's a football team. They've (laughs) participated in such tracks as Mississippi State's best win and Uh lucky to win in Manhattan, Kansas. Daniel, this was your lock of the week. You called it. Yeah. You said Georgia minus two and a half. So, yeah, obviously 
Sure thing college football picking, right? The altar of Dan foresaw a 27-point blowout here. Altar of Dan. I will, I will probably end up doing that again later on this year. <laughs> um, just just warning you and everybody listening. So so here's what I'm going to say. Because yes. I'm building up to a crescendo, I promise you. Mm. Auburn has sort of fashioned itself as the SEC version of Notre Dame. Specifically, oh. now listen to me. Oh. Specifically because of the turnovers. You take that back, sir. 12 turnovers in the last five games. All three of their losses have come in games where they've turned the ball over three or more times. I saw on game day beforehand, one of the analysts said that it might have been Corso that he didn't like Auburn here because he was more confident in them shooting themselves in the foot than anything else. And he was probably right because they turned the ball over a bunch of times again and just got smoked. They got smoked on the road in Athens. Yeah, they have not been the cleanest, most disciplined team this season. It, and it has, you know, especially in November, come to bite them. They When they give other teams opportunities to play a lot against the Auburn defense that isn't good, teams can't help if they're talented enough to take advantage. And Lord help us, Ty, Georgia's talented. Georgia, even though Hudson Mason isn't Aaron Murray, and very few are because he is one of the greatest SEC quarterbacks ever, he has been pretty good and with a healthy Nick Chubb and with a healthy and instated and reinstated Todd Gurley with talented receivers with an okay enough offensive line. It's very difficult to give a game away. That's given to you yeah. and Auburn just Nick Marshall wasn't accurate that he could never really get into a rhythm. Cameron artist Payne had it by his own standards down game, even though the numbers say he, he played all right. It was not a good game from CAP. The sovereign offense very clearly did not get into any sort of place where they felt confident going against the Georgia defense, by the way, hasn't been fantastic. Has allowed big plays. Hasn't been great against the run, but for whatever reason, if the Florida game was a wake up call, whatever it was, and Georgia's, I think it, that might have been more on Jeremy Pruitt in the second half against Florida by just not adjusting to Florida at all, not passing. For whatever reason, Georgia has taken a huge step forward. They don't have a, a big win on their on their schedule and on their resume, but they're certainly good enough to take advantage of a team giving them the ball three times. By the way, despite losing Gurley, yeah. they're going to be fine because they still do have the reliable Chubb. Yes. They will be the just girl fine. Is gone. The girl is gone, but the Chubb remains. <laughs> I love it. Continue, which is a problem in some circles, but yeah, that's another show, especially for four hours or more. Ty, it does come down now to both Georgia and Missouri in the SEC East. Georgia needs a little bit of help. They're a game back in the loss column. Mizzou, of course, beat A and M thirty four twenty seven. They're five and one in conference. They killed my lock of the week. Mm-hmm. Mizzou is at Tennessee. And then home to close out the year against an Arkansas team. Let's put it together for Arkansas. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, hey, I can envision a scenario in which one of those games gets tricky for Mizzou. So this thing could all work out for Georgia anyway. They just need to keep playing like they played yesterday. Arkansas got two votes to be in the AP top 25, sitting at one and five in the SEC. You're awful people voting. Missouri's going to have to earn it. Missouri having to play against a Tennessee team that was very good against Kentucky yesterday and an Arkansas team who is one of the most difficult outs, even though the the record doesn't show it, Missouri will have to earn it, which is kind of funny because Missouri got shut the flip out by, by Georgia and they're still in control. So 
it it does get interesting. Those two games, I think, let's see, Missouri, Tennessee is this coming week. And then yep. they have, they have Arkansas to finish out the season. Um, in a week where there isn't much, that should be at least somewhat fun. That night game it's in Knoxville. It is. It is in Knoxville. And I mentioned Arkansas. They won 17 to nothing in a torturous, ugly football game. Hey, 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 good old fashioned football. Ty. Oh, I'm sorry. I good misspoke. old fashioned sec football, uh, 10 punts. It looked like LSU was auditioning for the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, just 123 total yards, 87 passing yards, 36 on the ground for LSU. The LSU offense remains a question mark. Mm -hmm. If you look at the numbers, they've been unable to throw for more than 142 against any SEC opponent outside Mississippi State. Yeah. But kudos to Arkansas. Absolutely. This is still a very good football. I, I contend it's a very good football team. It is. They're going to end up in a in a bowl game somehow if they can get a win here and, you know, kill some team from Conference USA or the AAC or the ACC. And mm -hmm. and I like this team moving forward. I, I really do. They've just been all year in the position where Ole Miss was like the last two. Uh, the schedule's been brutal. They don't have the horses quite yet, but they're going to get there sooner than later. Yeah, Arkansas is the, the steps, it seems to me, if you're a bad football team, you're going to lose, you're going to lose respectively, you're going to win ugly, you're going to win passably, you're going to win. And they're winning ugly right now, which is terrific. They're on a, an SEC win streak, which we couldn't say for the past two years. So, yes, LSU's offense has huge issues. They have enormous issues because they have not been able to develop a quarterback to any sort of degree. But... Again, so many teams around the country being so flashy, trying to be so new with all of these yards and points and creativity. And you know what? Good for LSU. <laughs> Good for LSU for not buying into all of this 2014 hogwash. Um, the hogwash. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah. You like that? Um, yeah. Arkansas is getting better and they, they, they are, are getting better. They are, even though the numbers, they didn't put together a, a productive day against a still good LSU defense, it is the, the the first step towards becoming a good team. Elsewhere in the SEC, South Carolina beat Florida, effectively ending the career of one Will Muschamp, and Tennessee took it to Kentucky. We must move quickly, Dan. Let's yeah. go to the ACC. Let's talk about the nightcap between Florida State and uh, the Miami Hurricanes. Mm. So... Look, Miami, I thought, looked really good offensively for the majority of this game because they came out super aggressive. They went up 16 points. They were up yeah. by 13 and a half. This was the point where I turned to someone and said, this this isn't going to be enough, is it? No, if if there aren't 30 some odd points on the board and it's by the sort of eight minute mark in the fourth quarter, eight minutes left in the fourth I don't know how you beat Florida State. How, how big of a halftime lead do you think you need to have over FSU to feel confident that uh, that you're going to win the game? A halftime lead? A halftime lead. Let's say you're points? let's say you're Oregon. Let's say you make the playoff. You play Florida State first round semifinal uh, game. How many points do you need to be up at half before you're confident that you're going to win that game? If Oregon were up 38 to 10 at halftime, if Oregon were up 28 to three. I'd feel I'd feel pretty good. The problem is Florida State adjusts so well at the half. There's yeah. so much speed. 
I it, it's very difficult because unless and this is that this goes for any team playing against any excellent team. If you are giving the ball back, if you are not taking advantage of opportunities, if you are hooking, you know, 30, however many yard field goals, if you're missing or getting extra points blocked, if you are dropping wide open third and seven, 11 yard passes, if you are doing those things, you don't deserve to beat an excellent team because excellent teams, and this is broadly speaking, perhaps too much so, are able to pounce and that's what separates them from being very good teams. I just I think a lot of those P Carroll teams at USC. Yeah. And uh one of the things that people always mentioned about Carroll was his halftime adjustments. Yeah, they don't panic. That's the it's the calm of these teams. You know, P Carroll was so good at figuring things out, making the necessary tweaks mm-hmm. and USC was a beast in the second half during yeah. that Carroll era. And you see it again with Florida State. You just knew this was going to happen. They mm-hmm. outscore Miami 20 to 3 in the second half. The Canes could get zero pressure on Winston. Right. And he really had a chance to settle in to pick them apart. I think it was a freshman left tackle as well cuz Cam Irving moved to the inside moved to and center. center, yeah. Moved moved to center and he did a pretty good job. The other emerging story that we should mention for Florida State because we talk a lot about Jameis Winston and about Jimbo right. Fisher and yeah. and Rashad Green. Dalvin Cook yeah. is like an airplane that could go faster but isn't allowed because of noise restrictions. Correct. He is lightning in a bottle, Dan. He no, is he is so stupid burst. freaking fast and yeah. definitely a game breaker. And on the other side of the field. Yeah, this is where I thought you were going. This was, I think, maybe the biggest story of the game. You're going to talk about Jalen Ramsey? I am going to gush you over Jalen Ramsey. Let me borrow a phrase here. And if you've got kids in the car, you might want to earmuff it. Uh-oh. I'm going to borrow a phrase from my late grandmother. Okay. She would say that Jalen Ramsey is all over like horse shit. (laughs) Yeah. I feel that is accurate in this case. Yeah. If, if you were to a non like read a card that said, okay, in front of me, I have a card that's that explains a Florida state defensive play that dramatically disrupted what Miami was trying to do. Yeah. And, and I would say name a player involved in this play. You, if you guessed Jalen Ramsey, you are correct. That is, he was that good. He was on a honey badger level. He was on a LaMarcus Joyner level. He played his role perfectly, whether it was blitzing, whether it was on special teams, whether it was in coverage in the slot. He, what he did, he seemed to be mistake free violently. If that yeah. makes any no, sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So um, Jalen Ramsey I mean, he to a lot of people that watch a lot of Florida State and every snap, he's already a known commodity in terms of how great he is. But in this game against a, a very active Miami offense that was succeeding for a majority of this game, yeah, for him to be the difference maker was beyond impressive. Yeah, and Brad Kaya, you talked about Miami's offense. Brad Kaya looked outstanding. Took a lot of shots. Wasn't in, in this productive. football game. Yeah, and didn't have a sense of urgency on that final drive, which was a little right. questionable to me. But there was no way he was no. putting that in the end zone. There no was chance. Just no way. No chance. He really did look the part, though, for most of the game, and I think that in and of itself might be the biggest reason why people have stopped calling for Al Golden's head because Brad yeah. Kai has looked really good. Duke Johnson's been pretty good for them. They've got a legitimate shot at going eight and four here, which would be a nice yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, for the Canes, let me let me ask a hypothetical question here. I don't want to spend too much time. Uh, 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 uh. This is a hypothetical and a controversial question. 
Okay. And Florida State fans should know up front that I am not rooting for this, nor do I believe that it should be the case. Right. But this committee seems fixated on resume right now. Uh huh. Would it ever consider moving FSU outside the top four? Because as it presently stands, yeah. the Knolls have exactly zero wins over ranked teams. Um, well, I would say not their fault because they haven't lost and they only play the teams that are on their schedule and they have Oklahoma State, Notre Dame and Florida on their non-con. Correct. That's correct. OK, just making sure um, I would say that it's not I don't look at it as Florida State hasn't beaten a ranked team. I look at it as how is Florida State performed against unranked teams? And part of the answer is sloppily is certainly sloppily, but I don't think there is a team that you can put into the top four. I'm looking at the AP top four right now. Mississippi state hasn't been consistently excellent. I would say Oregon has not been consistently excellent, but there are, but those are two teams that are, have already been in out just outside of that. TCU struggles against Kansas, Kansas. And yes, NC state gave Florida state a, a half and a half a quarter or something. Um, Baylor, I don't think is on a level where you can say they should be in and Florida state shouldn't be in after losing in the way that they did. They didn't lose a toss up game. They lose to West Virginia on the road by 14 Ohio state and their bad loss. Ole Miss has two losses. There isn't a team that I would say. So I, I would say by default, Florida state is undefeated. The ACC isn't very good, but they haven't lost and they're there. I, I can't sell you on their wins, but They've survived ugly games, and that's at least something. 25, 26 straight games now for yeah, Florida State. Sense. It's tough to argue against that. They are the reigning national champion. I, I wouldn't want to see this happen. This would be like the worst possible scenario for the new playoff. Oh, Florida, yeah. Florida State's going to win its last two games. They're going to beat Boston College. They're going to beat Florida. 100% chance of those two wins happening. Yeah. One, well, whether it's will Muschamp's Hail Mary or not, it's percent. it's going to happen. They're going to go 12 and 0 and make that playoff and and beat whoever. Muschamp beating Florida State would be the single funniest thing of the of the college oh, football. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That would be 1000%. And I've watched funny Notre Dame stuff and that's still yeah. the funniest possible thing. All right, uh, Georgia Tech 28, Clemson 6. Yeah. We will talk about this one very briefly. Deshaun Watson went 5 of 7 his first game back after injuring his foot. And and then now he's got a left knee injury. Yeah. As well. I didn't see any confirmation on it. I did see some stuff floating around yesterday that it was a torn ACL. Right. Which would be a horrible break for uh, a guy who appears to be a dynamic young player and a team oh, he's that, fantastic. That, that obviously needs him. The backup Cole Stout, he's got the pedigree, but mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't have the numbers. Three of 11, 19 yards passing, three picks, including a horrible pick six on like a cross screen or something where he was throwing back across the field. Clemson looked awful, had just 190 yards of total offense in this game, and Georgia Tech just ran, ran, ran. They won this one going away pretty easily. He has the pedigree of what exactly? <laughs> He's got football in the family. He's got like an ex. I think it's his dad who played in the league. Right. But you know, he's got he's got the genes is what I'm saying. That's pedigree. OK, um, that doesn't mean much because you have to complete passes yourself. So Cole Stout is a quarterback who will not lead Clemson to anything. I'm just trying to sell the storyline, man. <laughs> I know. 
I know. And it's, it's, it sucks really for Clemson. It sucks because Deshaun Watson, it has looked like, and will continue to be a, an exciting future for that program. But, uh, appears to be a little bit snake bit in this season. Hope he's able to come back as soon as humanly possible and make Clemson a lot more exciting than they appeared against Georgia tech in a pretty ugly loss elsewhere in the ACC, Virginia tech. Dukies. Virginia tech keeping Frank Beamer's eight win bed. Nice and warm, nice and crisp. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, I guess if they go to a bowl game and win it, they're they, five and five at the moment. Yeah. So they can go seven and five and win a bowl game, I suppose. Eight win bed. Can happen, Dan. There's still time. Yeah, they they win this game late uh, on a touchdown. And, you know, it, it was as typical a game as we could have expected. Figured Anthony Boone would have been better, but they were able to get to him. And he was he looked pretty sloppy. Um, and Duke sort of blew this game yep. and they are still what are they eight and two right now yep and they finish with a definitely winnable game against north carolina mm-hmm. or excuse me north carolina and wake north carolina and wake wakes the winnable one unc's gotten better i was going to go to them next uh they're up to 500 now they beat Pitt. it's been a rough season it's been up and down for unc but it seems like they're getting a little bit more consistent as we go along here so that rivalry game against duke's uh I, you know, I think there's a lot on the line for UNC there. It can get them to bowl eligibility. It could put Duke in a world of hurt when it comes to all things ACC. Yeah, um, it's a big game for UNC, maybe bigger for them than it is for Duke. Yeah, they still can't play defense. No, they, they can't play still defense. Can't play defense. I'm not talking about defense. I'm talking right. offense. Okay, um, fair enough. And then staying in the great state of North Carolina, NC State got bowl eligible with a route of uh, Wake Forest. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, let's move on to the Pac-12, shall we? Let's move. The late, 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 super drunk Pac-12 game at. What time did this kick off? In, 10.45 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's like 3 a.m. Doha time? <laughs> sure. <laughs> 6 a.m. Doha? I don't know. Yeah. Um, Oregon State, 35. Mm-hmm. ASU, 27. This was a shocker, Dan. This was a Clemsoning. Yes, it very much was a Clemsoning, which we would have talked about more had the Pac-12 scheduled its highest ranked team playing on Saturday at any sort of watchable national time, which they decided not to. Maybe it's better they didn't. It is certainly better that they didn't in this case because, I don't know, God forbid people saw an exciting game um, and talented players. Uh, Oregon State jumps on them early. I think they went up 14-3, mostly through the ground, which yeah. was a nice change as, change as Sean Mannion has been that story up as he has been up and down these past couple of seasons. But it was Storm Woods, Taron Ward, Taron Ward, Taron Ward, whatever it is, um, long touchdown runs, jumping on ASU as ASU's defense was sort of overrunning plays and opening up holes. ASU comes back. DJ Foster does a fantastic job in the open field. They're up 10 at halftime. And for whatever reason, Arizona State, and I looked at the, I looked it up because it seemed sort of familiar. This happened last season, too. Arizona State scored three points in the second half. They yeah. scored three points in the second half against UCLA last season in a win. But you look at their game against Utah. You look at their game against Stanford. Um, Notre this Dame. season and last season. You look at their game against Notre Dame. I was talking about last season. You look at their, their game against Notre Dame. I don't know if Notre Dame came back and had a great second half last season when they won it. Well, I'm talking about this season, but, but yeah, this I, year, I see where yes. you're going with this. Go ahead. 
for whatever reason, Arizona State gets out coached at halftime. And it is an issue that I feel like they will hopefully get better at. I don't know if it's a depth thing where they just don't have the talent when they need to rotate in twos and threes, but Arizona state. And I think I, you know, as the surest thing in college football picking last week, I did bring up this game. Yeah. We both, we both kind of looked at this game with an eyebrow up late Pac-12 weirdness coming off of a huge win, traveling far away to a strange place and to a potato salad stadium. Yeah, there are strange things that happen. So uh, a fantastic win for Oregon State. They can become uh, bowl eligible. I think they, they finished the season with Oregon in the Civil War, but I, they have UW, I want to say, on the road and a UW team that is not very good. A Washington squad that's yeah, totally they, beatable and might have the single most versatile athlete in college football in Shaq, Shaq Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing I'd add here. Oregon State, and you mentioned this, they weren't spectacular in this game, just like one of 12 on third downs. They won this game because they got so many big plays right. on offense, long plays on offense, a 78-yard touchdown run, a 66-yard touchdown run, a 67-yard pass. There was another long interception return, which sealed the game for Oregon State here. Without those big plays, this would have been a much, much different game. Um Arizona State needed to try and curtail those big plays if they wanted to have a shot in this one. And Oregon State gets the job done at home. They they got one of them a year, Dan, in Corvallis. It's a weird place to play. Yep. It's a weird time to play. Just a lot of things working against ASU after the emotional victory at home last week. There were reasons to like ASU or excuse me, Oregon State plus the nine and a half here. And sure enough, they uh, they come through, win the game outright. Um, I want to do I want to do a quick Todd Graham impression. Please. This has this has nothing to do with him leaving schools prematurely. I want you to play the role of a college football player, perhaps a a quarterback, a a linebacker asking his coach. All right. What are we going to do to to change things up in the second half? Okay, might should I go? Yeah. Get into that space. And just be like, what, you know, what's the plan for the second half? What are we doing? How we how we do you want want dramatic? Do you want pumped up? What what kind of tone do you want? I want excited. I want like excited to hear how this coaching staff is going to, to win this game. Okay. Killer instinct. Put this team away. I'm getting myself, I'm getting myself in that place, please. All right, coach. So what's the deal? Uh, what are we doing here? What do we do? Ooh. Um, hmm. Uh, I thought I had an app for this. Uh, uh, there's why don't you, who's your who's your position coach son this would be the part in like the <laughs> screenplay yeah where we'd put in parentheses that todd graham looks in mirror and fixes hair he does have a great head of hair he really does do you say yeah. great or gray because it's both great both elsewhere in the pac-12 utah beats stanford in double ot arizona beats washington by one usc beats cal 38 30 on Thursday night behind, I think, four touchdowns from Cody Kessler. Yeah. Did you watch any of this? A little bit. Um, I'm going to go through USC's highlights, okay? Yes. They had a hell of a first quarter. This has been the end of USC's highlights. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a lot of tweets about USC potentially blowing it in the second half. 
Yeah, USC got com- like essentially got outplayed after a really good first quarter and a, a laughably bad first quarter from Cal. And I'm I, this is not me making fun of USC as f- much fun as we both like to have doing that with Sark and everything. Cody Kessler's a great quarterback. Nelson Aguilar, you, you wish he was on a, a better team, a more important team. He's not. And USC couldn't run the ball on Cal. The the Bears, the the California Golden Bears, they couldn't run the ball on. And USC really came out strong. They found receivers in space. Cody Kessler looked accurate as all hell. Cal had a weird ass fake punt. And then Cal sort of got things under control. They ran the ball relatively well. Jared Goff started finding receivers. Kenny Lawler had a very nice game and USC survived. It was a great first quarter for USC. And that's where it ended. Pretty much. And by the way, the Pac-12 South now is they were 31 to two in the second quarter. I should add that. And then they did nothing. Then they did nothing. The, uh, yeah. the Pac-12 South, a log jam. You've got four teams with two losses in UCLA, USC, Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, UCLA has that tiebreaker. They control their own destiny at this point. But if we've learned anything from the Pac-12 and especially the Pac-12 South, Nothing is really off the table. So I would expect some level of craziness to still go down in the Pac-12 South. But right now, it's very, very interesting. You've got four teams again with two losses. You do. What is your opinion of the Pac-12 at the moment with USC, UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State and Utah all sort of knotted up or I think they're all ranked. All, all five of those teams are ranked. They all have seven wins, right? They've all beat up mostly on teams in a very disappointing North, but they've also performed well out of conference. Has your conference power rankings in your head shifted at all with the South looking better and better Utah, you know, wins over USC, UCLA playing Oregon tough, the majority of that game and going to Stanford and now winning Stanford offense is terrible. It's still a good Stanford defense. Um, UCLA now, I believe controls their own destiny, Arizona, having their one of the biggest, if not the biggest one of the season going to Oregon and winning. Have you adjusted your thoughts? I I have, I know you're setting me up by the way. Okay. But, um, no, I, I have, I have, I, I am nothing if not adaptable. Absolutely. Um, I think my new conference There's a reason you are where you are in this world. Ty. That's right. I think my new conference rankings are SEC one. Mm-hmm. And then a distant second, I still put the Big 12, but the gap between two and three. You have the Big 12 ahead of the Pac-12? I'm putting the Big 12 ahead of the Pac-12. Oh, that's ridiculous. The Pac-12 South alone has more ranked teams, has more seven-win teams in the Big 12 in its entirety. First off, we've been on this show all year talking about how the rankings don't mean anything. No, they don't mean how anything. How the AP poll doesn't mean anything. So I'm not going to use that here to defend it means Pac-12. a little bit. It doesn't mean anything. It means a little bit, but it doesn't really mean about the postseason. anything in the grand scheme. And these wins you speak of, they're all over yeah. each other. Yeah, well, the, the Big 12 has a chance to, to do that. They have a lot of teams that don't put much on their out-of-conference schedule, and they still don't have the wins. Let me tell a high school baseball story. Please. You ready for a high school baseball story? I really never am, but I'm going to listen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> My senior season. Yeah. All right. People were saying that our district was the best it had ever been. We had a ton of teams that had potential, a ton of teams with winning records. Right. right? People around the state were fearful. Ah, all right. Concrete kids. That's right. We had our district tournament. We lost. Of course, we lost. But uh, teams from our district went on to play other teams in different leagues throughout the state. Mm -hmm. And they got effing murdered. Okay. 
All right. My point is, if we're going to cite those wins within conference and not at all examine the context outside the Pac-12. Sure. Well, let, let's let's examine outside. USC got really manhandled late by Boston College. Yes, definitely. Yes. UCLA beats Texas with their backup quarterback, Jerry Neuheisel. Mm -hmm. That is true. Utah went to Michigan. Not a good Michigan team, mind you, but they beat Michigan at Michigan. So did Notre Dame. So did. Well, it was at Notre Dame, but okay. It was at Notre Dame. Um, Arizona goes to Oregon, a team not in the Pac-12 South. I believe a playoff team in the playoff. Still a Pac-12 team. They're beating themselves. Well, they can only play who's on their schedule time. Right. Okay. At a certain point, Arizona doesn't play much in the out of conference. Arizona State beats Notre Dame, mm-hmm. the team that beat Michigan. That was that was a great win for ASU. It uh yeah, looking less so now, but yes, yeah, certainly a, a a good win for the Sun Devils. Mm-hmm. Um and USC has looked better. They haven't looked great, but they're winning games. They're beating teams from the north. I remain unimpressed with the Pac twelve. That's okay, Ty. That's okay. And if it sounds like I'm biased, that's fine. I just, no, I feel, I feel like you're in a low place. <laughs> and I understand. I'm planning a wedding. My emotions are all over. Well, I've heard nothing but positive I'm things. I'm eating about your ice cream emotions. shirtless. <laughs> Is that true? No, that's not true. Do you, do you keep ice cream in your freezer? I don't. I don't. Really? I don't either. Do you I hear the hissing food in the background? I have like no food in my freezer. Do you hear the hissing in the background? No. Shh, dude, Listen. I got a noise gate on here. I can't hear anything. Oh, okay. Uh, that those are my my radiators or my radiators because I live in an old fashioned city, um, and it's really funny and annoying. Let's go to the Big Twelve. Yeah, let's talk about TCU, <laughs> America's third best conference. <laughs> and, on, and, and on that note, let's talk about the Titan that is TCU. Yeah, this is a great time for you to. Be, <laughs> this is this is a great segue right with now. The Big Twelve. Damn it! Who plans these things? <laughs> TCU 34, Kansas 30. What the hell is going on here? Let's go to the highest ranked Big 12 team and check in (laughs) on what they're up to. Uh, All right. So a suspicious win. Yeah. I think it's fair to say a suspicious win Uh Uh, for TCU. I, you know, maybe they let their guard down after beating the other Kansas team or sure. um, (laughs) Kansas threw for 342 yards. That's the most they've thrown for all season long against any opponent and i'm not going to say that there weren't smoke and mirrors involved here because kansas got some bounces and they forced some turnovers and they played hard um (laughs) what was this so this was what was this it wasn't it wasn't god awful from tcu it was bad from tcu and it wasn't it wasn't a god awful offense performance the defense gave up too much through the air and they had the weird tip plays and just weird errors that if you're going to hold a team like TCU to a top five standard, because we should, as they are told to us as a top five team, they did not play to the standard of a playoff team. They made special teams mistake, fumbling uh, mistakes, excuse me, fumbling, just not covering. Well, they just didn't do the, the little things in this game to separate what separates really, really, really good teams, which TCU has shown itself to be at times away from, uh, a team that has struggled. Kansas has certainly been better since ridding themselves of Charlie Weiss and however many dozens of millions of dollars that they owe him. But they really looked flat with the with paying attention to detail. And you can see why TCU will have a difficult time now getting back with the totality of their impressive schedule behind them. They have nobody left. To, I mean, 
Texas, if you've watched Texas, and I've only watched a little bit of Texas these past few weeks, as much as I've, I've been able to, um, they've improved. Texas has gotten secretly a good amount better. Yeah, they're bowl um, eligible now. They're bowl eligible. They've been handling poor teams. And I, I think they, they don't play TCU for another couple weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, they've got a right. bye. Both teams are on bye this coming right. week. And then they've got, uh, they've got each other in so Austin. A TCU, a TCU win running away from Texas is a lot more impressive than it was, say, a month ago, I would yeah. say. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, um, you know, it did take Texas a while to get going, but they've won. Yeah, three, as expected. They've won three in a row now. I mentioned the bull eligibility. They, they can mm-hmm. play defense. They can pound it on the ground. They're not much through the air, although Tyrone Swoops has had some pretty good showings. So I think Charlie Strong can, can craft something here against TCU, but this was just... <laughs> A suspicious win. Can we agree on the on the verbiage there? Yeah, they had to rally. They were down in the second half. And look, teams have games where they're just down. Baylor's had those games. Oregon's had those games. Obviously, Florida State has had those games. But with a team that has explored the depths of college football that Kansas has explored and, and what TCU has been largely able to do and what teams in the Big 12 have been able to do against Kansas this season, it was a disappointing Saturday for the Horned Frogs. Elsewhere in the Big 12, Oklahoma, without Trevor Knight, um, beat Texas Tech. Needed a comeback. Needed a comeback. They were down 21-7 to mm-hmm. at one point. Cody Thomas is their backup. Left a lot to be desired throwing the football, but he looked pretty good on the ground between yes. him and uh, Samaj P. Ryan. They combined mm-hmm. for over 300 yards on the ground and four touchdowns. Should we go to the Big Ten? It's almost inexcusable that we've waited this long to talk about Mel Gore. I'm trying to save the best for last. Let's talk I, some Mel Gore. Mel Gore. So Nebraska jumps out to a 17 to three lead. Yeah. Very early. Mm hmm. Wisconsin storms back. Yes, they do. 56 unanswered points. Led by their Heisman contender, Melvin Gordon. We call him Mel Gore. Mel Gore. <laughs> That's not all, Dan. No. 25 carries. Wait, 408 wait. yards. 25 carries? That seems like a normal number of carries. Surely he had maybe like 200. 400. And Oct. He is so good. He is so excellent. Four touchdowns, Dan. That did is you it. watch any of this? I did. He had, I want, I'm probably going to get this slightly wrong, but which by the way, will be the name of my memoirs. <laughs> he had seven runs where he, of his 25, where he wasn't touched, touched until he was 20 yards downfield or yeah. more. 408 yards. That breaks LaDainian Tomlinson's single game rushing record i saw you did it in a video earlier today yeah we actually had someone on the reverb line suggest that we add some music when talking about mel gore mm. uh. Uh. Ooh. little super mario you hear me <laughs> mario super mario mario music there that's when mario got the star you know that i do know that were you good at those games um, I was good at Mario one. Mm-hmm. Did you like two where he had the trip? No, two was weird. Two was yeah. sneaky good, but it it took a while yeah, it, to it, like it, get it, used to the whole ice world. thing. That was weird. Super Mario Brothers three is one of the greatest video games ever. What was your favorite Mario suit? 
The, uh, shoot, I always forget it. It has the really cool name. What, what's the name of the raccoon suit? The Tanuki suit? Yes, that's, yeah. The Tanuki suit was a, uh, a crowd pleaser. I like the frog suit, too. Yeah, the frog was great. The frog suit was, uh. Was it just cool. looked like Mario was a little baby running around with a mustache, and that made me laugh. The Tanuki suit. Yeah. Super Mario. 59-24, Melvin Gordon powers Wisconsin to a victory, mm-hmm. gives Nebraska another loss. Tommy Armstrong Jr. and uh, Joel Stave, just to throw this one in there, yeah, combined through the air, 13 of 29 for 108 yards. Nebraska, as a team, had just 180 total. They couldn't get Amir Abdullah going. This was actually my point and the reason I took Wisconsin. Now, I never saw this coming with Melvin Gordon, right? but I know Which that- Which you should have, idiot. Yeah, right? <laughs> Nebraska yeah. had a hard time getting Abdullah going against uh, Michigan State. Yes. Earlier this season. And sure enough, same thing happens again. Can't score points if you don't move the football. Tommy Armstrong Jr. is not going to help you much through the air. No, started the game one of 10. And I think that one completion was a touchdown pass. And whew, Melvin Gordon, without a quarterback, with yeah. a very good offensive line, with new receivers, or at least a couple new receivers blocking out wide, is just he's he's stupid is he well, the heisman you, trophy winner right now no i still think it's mariota i still think what he's been able to do with the ball in his hands both on the ground and through the air and fighting through what he's had to fight through with injuries and in a whole new receiving core i think his degree of difficulty has been higher also he was not involved in a loss to northwestern yeah so <laughs> so there's that or an LSU team that scored zero points yesterday. Yeah. So, and granted, neither one of those things are Melvin Gordon's fault, but I think the degree of difficulty, the stages, the teams that's, that he's beaten and what he's been able to do with a hand tied behind his back has been more impressive. But in terms of a single game performance, there has, I hesitate to say that there's anything better than what Melvin Gordon did against Nebraska. It's, it's truly impressive, but over the just to to evaluate who is the most valuable college football player to his team, I think it's still Mariota. Okay, let's just play it one more time. Please. Just one more time for good measure before we move on here. Mm. Let's go to another fun one to watch: Ohio State thirty-one, Minnesota twenty-four. Yeah, fun to watch if only because of the weather. Yes, in Minnesota, it snowed the entire game. Yes, it did, and. Minnesota hung with Ohio State to the point where I think it'd be unfair to just blindly call Ohio State flat because they really weren't that flat. Minnesota played pretty well. They did. They can't really throw the ball, but they've got a run game. They're not sexy, but they're good enough with like David Cobb and a cobbled together defense to figure things out. Was that a pun right there? Cobb and a cobbled together defense? I didn't intend to do that, but you're such a pro. I didn't intend for that. Uh, JT Barrett. He was a story. Might be the third best player in the country. We got a reverb asking whether he is the slowest fast guy in the country or the fastest slow guy in the country. Not a traditional galloper. He isn't. Uh, But with his performance on the ground and through the air with that sort of efficiency in both realms, in the snow, his degree of difficulty, speaking of which, against a good 
Minnesota team. I know you don't like to pay too much attention to rankings, but a ranked Minnesota team, <laughs> dubiously ranked perhaps. But I would say we we can agree that Minnesota should have been in the area of being ranked. I have a word for you. What is that? That rhymes with dick. Do you know what it is? <laughs> Minnesota is a is Minnesota a top thirty two team in the country? Yes. Okay. So they beat a top 32 team in the country on the road in the snow. And JT Barrett could have had the same performance without snow in 75 degree weather and sunny, which tells me he is excellent. I reiterate, it's going to be tough to yank him next year. Yeah. There were some headlines about it this past week. People are already talking, already talking. Oh, two great quarterbacks at Ohio State yeah. next year. I'm not convinced, not convinced that Braxton Miller's your starter next year. Oh, there was an upset in this game. A running back. Stay with me. Mm. Carried the ball more times than a quarterback. Wow. Ooh, fancy Urban Meyer. Fancy. Also, Max Williams is really fun to watch. The tight end from Minnesota. He's good. Yeah. If you if you think Max Williams only has one X in his first name. Nope. Boy, howdy. Do you have another thing coming? All right. Move on. He's the Dax Garmin of the North. Oh, God. That's so mean. Elsewhere in the Big Ten, Iowa beats Illinois Rutgers kills Indiana Penn State yeah. wins they cover they get bowl eligible against Temple and James Franklin is excited and <laughs> James Franklin's excited I've been on text threads with friends now that are yeah. chastising James Franklin and Christian Hackenberg and pretty much everything associated with this Penn State offense who does Penn State finish with they finish with Illinois and Michigan State Michigan State I said my my hot take was Penn State was gonna win nine games right yeah so eight games on the table it's probably going to be seven. Probably going to be seven. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one other game involving a Big Ten team that we should mention. Mm. This game went to overtime. The class of the Midwest. That's right. Northwestern. Two academic Titans. Mm-hmm. Northwestern and Notre Dame. 43 yes. to 40. Northwestern wins this game in overtime. Daniel, I, I want you to frame this on the wall. <laughs> I want you to take a picture of this box score. I want you to behold the Irish letdown. That's what I'm calling this. Will you sign this box score for me in my frame? A good old letdown loss following an emotional loss. <laughs> the Irish letdown. There it is. Yeah. Here is the sound of the Irish letdown. Ah, what a mess for Notre Dame. Four more turnovers. Three of which were fumbles. Yep. Complete inability mm. to stop the run or the pass. Mm. Pretty much a general sense of indifference <laughs> for anyone other than Will Fuller or Tarion Falston. God. Sir, Greg Bryant had a five yard per carry average. Good for Greg Bryant. On one carry. One carry for five yards. Um, I am not going to have a voice after this segment. Where where does this rank to you with Irish letdowns, Irish losses? Oof. Tulsa? Tulsa, they had an excuse because they had an injury at quarterback. True. So I'm not even going to put this one in the same class. Right. Navy from a few years ago? Well, I guess like, I have to specify which one. Navy was a worse team when they beat those Notre Dame teams. But... right. This was still a puzzling loss by Notre Dame. I think indifference is the best way to categorize what I saw from Notre Dame 
yesterday I, I i was asking mama i watched this game with mama h as mm-hmm. i try to do i've only had a chance to do it uh two times three times so far this year okay i was asking she was asking whether notre dame's already mailed in the 2014 season with two games right. left it was it was that kind of a game for the irish they they look like they're ready for 2015 are they gonna be better in 2015 they should be they bring everybody back this is still a young team. A lot of people don't realize that. A yeah. really young team. They're young on defense. Yeah. Bring almost everybody back next year. So they should be better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see them. Do they, do you think this is, I was watching this game with Roger Sherman, who's a, a big Northwestern person. Yeah. He is positive that Notre Dame is going to cancel this series. Notre <laughs> Dame loses to a team that they shouldn't lose to series cancel happened with like Boston college, Michigan. I don't know. Maybe it'd be best for them. Where do you lay this? Where do you lay the blame of a win like this at home to a big 10 team with a losing record? First off, I don't know who you blame fumbles on. I don't know. I don't know uh, who you blame fumbles. on. I mean, players and coaches, play, players and coaches. Right. But like, what do you do to improve that? I'm sure there's something they did it with Tiki Barber when he played for the Giants. Yeah, you right? practice yeah, it, better. You, you practice. OK, but it was the same problem last year. So they're probably not practicing correctly. Right. So what what is the deal here? I, I don't know. I don't know how you get rid of that fumble bug, but I said it earlier this year. This is a Notre Dame team that was very prone to the letdowns and look aheads. And yes. this was very much a letdown, even though it was a letdown after a loss. It was still a letdown. They did not look good. The defense was exposed. Whenever you've got a mobile quarterback in Trevor Simeon and you're leaving the field wide open up the, the middle way, who, who can't really pass. No, he can't pass. <laughs> That's the joke. Yeah, he can't throw five wide. He can't throw. They leave the middle of the field wide open, just runs scampers freely like a wild horse into the end zone to tie the football game. So I got I got real questions about where this is headed, at least in past years. I felt like they were trending up at the end of the year, right? Not so much this year. And if you look at the schedule next year, I'm not going to go into a full like 30 minute (laughs) diatribe about Notre Dame that's what the people demand though they open up the year next year against texas yeah at home Mm -hmm. texas could be really good next year wait notre dame is playing a home game notre dame's playing a home game yes i think i've seen everything then they're going on the road at virginia virginia shouldn't be great but no a couple weeks after that on the road in memorial stadium against clemson i love that it's mid-november and you're already into 2015 (laughs) close out the year at stanford they got road games next year yeah good I'm just saying, if they don't figure this out, next year could be difficult right out of the shoot. I mean, Charlie Weiss needs a job. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? All right. That's I'm yelling here. I'm my, my voice feels uh feels a little parched. The okay. only other thing I'll add is that Everett Golson now has a sprained AC joint in his throwing shoulder. He played most mm-hmm. of the game with it. They're acknowledging the sprain. Maybe it'd be best if Everett just sat this next one out. Give the ball to Malik Zaire. See what he can do with it. Uh, other than fumble a snap as he did yesterday. It'd be nice to see him get some real hard game action. Notre Dame's got Louisville and USC remaining. They've got a chance at nine and three, although it feels like right now on their current trajectory, eight and four is a more likely scenario. Yep. That's all, all I right. got, Dan. What else? What else did all I right. miss? Quickly around the country. Good day for Baylor to be off. They got to watch the Buffalo. 
the Buffalo Bulls get that much closer to bowl eligibility and help that Baylor resume. Buffalo takes it to Akron. So good for Buffalo. Yeah, good it's for all them. coming together. Uh, Cincy and ECU, very strange end to the game as Cincinnati really did try to give away this game, but ECU not able to capitalize. Um, we talked about USC and Cal. We talked about a majority of the ranked teams. Iowa beats Illinois, and I think Iowa still has Wisconsin, correct? I believe so, yes. Wisconsin and Iowa play this coming week. So that potentially could be interesting. Who the hell even knows? Marshall moves to 10-0. and 0. Hopefully they get into the selection committee top 25, but who even knows? Who even knows? But a fantastic season for Marshall and Rakeem Cato, one of the more underrated and and just ridiculous quarterbacks to watch in college football and should get as much attention as humanly possible. Um, aside from that, we talked about pretty much everything. Utah state. They're probably on like their ninth string quarterback. They just keep on winning. I really, I didn't watch this game. I like the fact that Utah state keeps on going and they have a system that wins for them. Tennessee. We mentioned they absolutely shellac Kentucky. Tennessee's gonna be real good next year. Yeah, yeah, Josh Dobbs are. is really good. They're a different team with him at quarterback, Dan. Yes, they wanted to redshirt him. He is excellent. He is really good. I mean, that's really all I have to say about Josh Dobbs. Yeah. Um, beyond that, SMU was this close, this close to winning. Can you make that voice game. all the time, please? This close. Yeah, it's, it's, it's me going halfway to Gilbert Godfrey. I was going to say it's almost at Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, uh, Boise State and it's one of those things with Boise state. If they're not the Boise state of old, but you know what? They're pretty good. And Grant Hedrick, I believe it's how you pronounce his name. He didn't have the greatest game, but he, since the, since the early going for the Broncos, he has been quietly outstanding. And I, and we both like Jay Ajayi, but um, Boise state in a, in a decent enough position to, uh, to, to potentially, I've got to come up with a new vocabulary yeah. to perhaps get to 10 wins. Okay. And that's pretty cool for uh for a first year coach. Do we have Pat league results? Ty. I'm going to need a favor from you. All right. Tone it down a little bit though. Cause the last couple of favors have really been creeping me out. I'm going to need you to drop that big stanky swirly, swirly. Funky, 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 stanky again. And just a little bit. I want, I want that supple drum and fife. Ooh, the Pat League. Supple. I like it. Supple. Supple. Uh, Lehigh, very nice win over Colgate, taking it to the Gators 30-27. to They survived Colgate, who came back in the fourth quarter, but couldn't finish the comeback. Ford Ham goes ham on G-Town. Georgetown, live Bulldog? Sure. Does Nicole Auerbach, our friend from the USA Today, wish she was a live Bulldog? And today told me that she always gets tweets from people whenever a live Bulldog is on TV during college football Is that true? That is 100% true that she told me that. Nice. Um, So... Good for the Verballers. And uh, yeah, Fordham takes it to them 52 to 7. Georgetown just scoring late. So, really, Fordham in a fantastic position going into the postseason. Bucknell beats Holy Cross, avoids the letdown, goes on the road, takes down the Cross. Saders moves to 4 and 1 in the Pat League, but unfortunately, Bucknell cannot be the class of the Pat League because there is but one class of the Pat League, and that is your Fordham Rams. That is the this, uh, the Fordham This leads Rams. me to a question about you. Please. You're going into uh, Lehigh Lafayette week. You're coming into New York. I was going to say, I'm going to be at uh, Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. this coming weekend. I'll be wearing yeah. the dark sunglasses and a hat to yeah. conceal my identity, of course. Sure. Um, what what is I your plan there. for that day? What uh, time plan- is kickoff? 
I believe kickoff's at 3.30. Kickoff is at 3.30 p.m., correct. Yeah, kickoff's at 3.30. So we're going to... Are gonna, you uh, tailgating? What are you doing? I, I'm not sure yet, Dan. To be honest with you, I'm sort of going with the flow here. This is my first real Lehigh football experience. Right. So I just want to take it all in with other Lehigh alums. I don't want to miss out on any of the uh, of the shenanigans. So fiance Kate, fiance Kate. Yeah, she will be leading me around um, wow. and showing me the ropes. All things Mountain Hawks. Mm-hmm. This is what I want people to do that are going to this game, because I believe yeah. it's been sold out for quite some time. It has. Yes. And since we are the authority on Pat League football online, I want people to walk around the stadium, the concourses, the crowd, just screaming out Ty Hildenbrand solid verbal. <laughs> And I want that to be a beacon to not only embarrass you, but to bring you to Verballers. For what it's worth, there aren't many good games next weekend. No, it's a really bad weekend. So Lehigh Lafayette, actually not the worst game for you to watch, not the worst game to pay attention to, not the worst game to call the reverb line from 408 Verbal not. 1. It's on, I believe, CBS Sports Network. Yeah. Is, is showing this game live and in Technicolor. Leads me to my second question. Yes. I'm going to see you on Saturday, boo. Are you avoiding me? We could probably figure something out. What are we doing here? How far is the Bronx from you? Very. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think we're doing the the my normal watch party thing since the games are so bad. So I'm I'm open is what I'm saying. Okay. I'm putting this on you. I'm gonna see what I can do for you, Dan. Because I miss you and I miss your scent. You have to talk to my personal assistant. See if we can <laughs> work some, work in some time. Carve out uh, 15 minutes or so for you. Right. Um, can I thank some people before we, we give way to the the great end of the show? Yes, please. Uh, I want to thank Matthew Kremens, Jeremy Stutz. The Dingleberry Lounge doesn't sound like a place I'd like to hang out, but no. you know what? A share is a share, and I appreciate it. Andy Newber. Noobs has been very, very generous with his sharing, and I want to say thanks, Noobs. Adam Stevenson, Timbo. Yeah, we see you, Jacob. Uh, Nathan Klein. All heroes and worthy of gifts we've also been going back and forth with someone who says save the hooker as his uh twitter avatar or twitter official twitter title right is that a baylor guy mm, maybe i don't know who can even I'm looking remember? at this here out yeah. of the corner of my eye um yeah baylor guy you got a bear there okay all right whatever um i've got one other thing to add oh please one other thing mm-hmm. so we tweeted this out. I posted it on the Facebook page. Yeah. But you can help us out. You can do us a, a solid right now if yes. you are so inclined. You can help us stay free. Oh, that would be great. Because it takes a lot more now than it used to to pay the bills to keep yep. this whole thing afloat. You can fill out a survey for us that'll take about five minutes of your time. Your answers are going to help us match the show with advertisers that we think you'd be interested in mm-hmm. ones that fit our sensibilities that fit your sensibilities. If you enter the survey, you're also going to be entered into a monthly raffle raffle, excuse me for a $100 Amazon gift card. It's ongoing. Nice. We're not going to sell your email or anything crazy, but it is solely Speak to help us yourself. out. Yeah, right. It is solely to help us out. Go to podsurveycom slash solid dash verbal. Hmm podsurvey.com slash solid dash verbal. Uh, Dan, that's all I got. That's it. That is all I got, man. What did you have for dinner last night? <sighs> um, I told you about the taco draft. 
last night last night i had some homemade hamburger and turkey barbecue from mama h really yeah good it was pretty good yeah what do you put on your burger when it's like sort of a homemade situation when you have vegetable options out of the fridge in this case it was it was like so you've had a hamburger and a turkey burger no 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 hamburger mixed with turkey like in a barbecue oh so kind of like kind of like ground up and mixed with with sauce so a, a hybrid meat burger so kind of like a meat grinder yeah so it was turkey meat and beef meat yes okay continue so i had three of those throughout the day damn girl i almost threw them all up watching notre dame play <laughs> northwestern what'd you top it with i didn't top it with anything i just let it breathe meat and bread meat and bread you didn't dip it into anything didn't dip it no I had some I had some Lay's lightly salted potato chips. It wasn't it's not a burger. This is not a burger. It's a sandwich. Oh, is it more towards like a, a meatloaf? No. Kind well, of. If it has, it has like barbecue a meat sauce in it. It's a meat grinder. Will you will you send me a picture of what you're talking about? I will I will gladly. Okay. I this is it seems very foreign to me. You've never had hamburger barbecue? No, I don't think so. Really? I really don't think i've had like a sloppy joe i've had a burger i've had a meatloaf sandwich but it sounds like it's none of the above all right i've got uh are you on are you on gmail yeah i'm logging in right now i'm gonna g chat this to you there you go click on that image all right let's see what we have here oh that's that's like a sloppy joe tie yeah that's a sloppy joe okay three sloppy joes nice it looks delicious it was fantastic okay so there is sauce like built in yeah Okay. Yeah. You were, you were having a version, a delicious version, I'm sure of a sloppy Joe. That's right. Hamburger. barbecue. Okay. Nice. So I had that. How about okay. You? How about you? I had tacos. I had a, uh, had asada, taco taco, taco, that's right. asada, chorizo and carnitas. The, the chorizo was probably the number one. All right. Well, there's some guac, some, some green sauce, homemade tortillas. Yeah. All is well. All is well. Well, week yeah. 12 is, uh, is in the books. We will be back on Wednesday to preview whatever games we really can. Mm-hmm. Lehigh mm-hmm. Lafayette will be one of those games. Hour long Lehigh Lafayette preview. Our week 13 preview will be on Wednesday. In the meantime, keep on sharing, keep on tweeting, keep on posting on the Facebook page. One more time at solidverbal at gmail.com, twitter.com slash solidverbal, facebook.com slash solidverbal. Find us on FanCrit and of course, find us on iTunes where you can give us a five-star review or just a five-star ranking if you are ever so inclined. For that guy over there, Mr. Dan Rubenstein. For myself, Ty, here in good old Eastern PA. Thanks again for tuning in. Catch you all on Wednesday. In the meantime, stay solid. Peace.